Step into HR success with AIM HR Solutions. As your trusted partner, we are here to empower you on your HR journey, whether your team is small, in transition, or simply seeking extra support. Introducing our dynamic contract HR services, designed to bring ease and efficiency to your operations. Imagine the peace of mind knowing you have a dedicated partner handling compliance, employee relations, and so much more. Let AIMHR Solutions be your guiding light toward HR success. Visit aimhrsolutions.com for more information. Welcome to Human Solutions, simplifying HR for people who love HR from AIMHR Solutions on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright. Last week, we opened the conversation on AI's role in human resources. What can you use it for? How can you explore AI responsibly? How is AI poised to impact your workforce? Well, it turns out it's a big conversation and uh, we have more to cover. And so our fantastic guest, employment lawyer Bryn Goodman, partner at Fox Rothschild, is back with me this week to talk about AI and the law in the AI era. Bryn, welcome back. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here and happy to cover some of the legal issues that we missed last week. Yeah, I think, you know, where we where we were, we talked a lot about the the tools, like what are the tools? How are we seeing them used? Fantastic. Terry was here to talk about, you know, how she's seeing it used in recruiting. Um, and we didn't get to some of the some of the thornier issues potentially for people to look out for as they start looking at these tools. Uh, so where would you like to start? What makes the most sense in terms of thinking about AI and the relationship with the law from your perspective? Well, I think we need to start on a federal level in the United States because that's going to impact everybody who's listening, no matter what state you're located in. Um, and I think it's for those that haven't heard yet, the EEOC launched an AI and algorithmic fairness initiative in 2021. And there was also a joint statement, a joint enforcement statement put out by the EEOC along with other agencies. So it was the EEOC, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division, and um, the Federal Trade Commission. And I think everybody here at HR Professional knows the EEOC stands for the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. But for those of us who aren't HR professionals, that's what I'm referring to when I say EEOC. Okay. What does their joint statement mean for us? Right. So the EEOC, along with these other agencies, issued this joint statement and basically said that agencies are going to hold anyone they govern, any entity they govern, responsible for their use of AI, meaning employers and companies as a whole need to understand what's going on and need to understand how to protect, you know, how to control the AI in a way that allows them to comply with the laws. And we had been speaking with you about how that's very difficult, right? Because we don't even know, sometimes the people who create the AI don't even know how it's operating. So to figure out how it's operating and to stop it from violating the laws, well, I think the answer is until we can get some transparency from the products and organizations that are that are selling and using this, creating AI products, we need to be very careful about in what ways we use it so we don't violate the existing laws. I, I'm, I'm going to ask a question and I want you to know I'm fully ready for you to say, I don't know. It seems like what we're asking here is for whom the responsibility lies 
for using these tools? Is it the vendor of a tool that has made or embedded an AI that they don't clearly understand when that tool unintentionally violates a, a, a standard set out by the EEOC? Or is it the is it the employee or is it the company that was using the tool? And I think what the agencies are saying is it, if you are a company and you use these tools, you're going to be responsible okay. and we're putting you on notice of that. And if the tool has a hallucination, mm-hmm. does something unexpected, that's going to be your responsibility. So, you know, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is saying that those federal consumer financial laws are going to apply regardless of the technology being used, you know, how it's being used or who's using it, they're going to apply. So if a credit decision is made about someone, that credit decision needs to still comply with the requirements under the CFPB. Okay. Um, and so if you don't know how that credit decision is being made, it's going to be very hard for you to defend it. And saying I use AI is not a defense. Um, so that won't, that's not going to be a blanket defense. Of course, it was lawful because humans were not making the decision. So there can be no discriminatory intent, right? Um, but there are, there are different ways to violate those laws, you know, the EOC's laws, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's law, there was, there's, you know, this credit decision was fair. Yeah. Well, if you can't tell me how it was made, you can't say it was fair. Right. In fact, um, the, the, the decision to use the tool is actually what we're judging here. Right. Right. Okay. So, so the, the point is, is that we as consumers of, not to use the word consumer again, but, you know, companies as consumers of this AI product need to demand. And so this joint enforcement statement is basically saying, we're holding you responsible for the use of these tools. So instead of dealing with regulating the AI companies, we're going to force the consumer of the AI product to demand that there be transparency of some kind to ensure that um, they're not being the tools are not being improperly used. That makes sense. It seems like it it fits in line with how we sort of do things in technology right now. Yeah, it's just it's it's really going to be challenging, I think, to to sort of for the company that's using AI or developing AI, it's going to be challenging for them to sort of say, we are transparent. Here's how we do this without giving up the secret sauce. Yeah. Are you watching what's going on in Europe with the the European statements and Yeah, Europe is aggressively is aggressively sort of meeting this head on at, whereas, you know, US is sort of taking more of a back seat. Um I, you know, I'm not following it super closely, but our privacy folks are certainly on top of that. Um and you know, we work with them on ensuring our foreign companies are in compliance with those requirements as well but certainly Europe is taking a different approach it does it it does make me wonder a little bit how the impact of european sort of regulators approach may end up unintentionally uh affecting you know companies operating in the us right because these are global companies right the mm-hmm. open ai's ai chat gpt is working in europe as it is here if they have to change it to meet some european regulator that implies that that will be changed elsewhere. Right. And a lot of websites, you know, have more disclosures because of, of GDPR, because yeah. of the, the laws in Europe. So it, I think there will be a similar ripple effect, as you saw with the privacy laws, you know, with respect to AI. But the other thing is that that's basically, you know, on the federal level, there is not 
other than the joint statement of enforcement and and the initiative that the EOC launched, there isn't a lot of law being passed on a federal level with respect to these issues. Um, but we do see states regulating specific AI issues, especially with respect to automated employment decision-making tools. Um, we see that in New York City, but we also have seen other AI laws passed around the country. Um, so, you know, there's in Maryland, they passed a law in 2020, actually, to prohibit facial recognition without consent. Um, in Illinois, um, there's a requirement that you provide notice and consent with respect to um, video interviews with recording and, and deleting, keeping video interviews. So you have to have consent on that. Um, in, and then other jurisdictions, California, New Jersey, New York, Vermont, they have you know other laws. There's a law pending in DC that would prohibit algorithmic decision-making in employment offers. So you know, and then that's what is algorithm, algorithmic decision making. So sure. then we get into, you know, what AI am I using that might need to be disclosed or be subject to one of these laws? Because the recent law in New York actually requires notice on the website that you're or on the job posting that you're using these automated decision making tools for reviewing resumes. And whatever tool you're using has to be. Um, there has to be an audit performed on that tool annually by a third party, not by the vendor. So you can't, in this case, for New York City's new law, you cannot rely on the vendor's word. You actually have to have a third party auditing the AI that you're using if you're going to use it for anything related to employment decisions. And you have to post that, post a notice of that so that people can see it. And it has to be done annually, which is interesting. <laughs> that seemed like a loaded, interesting, Brent. I mean, it's interesting because there's no indication of who should be doing the audits, yeah. what the audits need to, I mean, there's some general guidelines about what the audits need to contain, but who's authorized to do the audits? Is there a certified auditor? Like, yeah. do you need, you know, it's not, it's not like an accountant, right? This is all brand new, all new terrain. It, all of these laws, right? They, they come from the intent to protect uh, it, you know, in, in this case, potential employees, right? In in some way, shape, or form, we're trying to, I, I guess, protect potential employees from what? Like, what is the recourse of somebody? Let's say I'm looking for a job in New York, and I go in mm -hmm. and I I sit in for an interview, and I don't get the job, mm -hmm. but I know because they've told me and I've given consent that that AI would be used in my hiring decision. So what then? Well, so a lot of this was sort of spurned by the issue with Amazon back in 2018. If you recall, Amazon had AI reviewing its resumes specifically for software engineer positions. Right. And AI was teaching itself what kind of resume does Amazon want? And they were automatically weeding out, for instance, women's volleyball team right. on the resume because historically men had been chosen for these software engineer positions. And so the AI taught itself to weed that out. So similarly, you know, that's sort of what, what we're trying to prevent against. I think what these laws are intended to prevent against is an unintended disparate impact on a particular group of people because AI has been used to, you know, you, you can't expect, especially in, at a place like Amazon where you're getting thousands of resumes, you know, it's, it's very inefficient for an individual to go through and 
review every single resume. But if you're going to have some kind of automated system looking at these things, it needs to be constantly checked upon to make sure that it didn't teach itself to do something that's unlawful. Right. Emergent behavior is a nasty business. Right. When you don't know so. what the recipe is in the soup. Right. OK. Um, all right. right. So what's next? Are there other uh, 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 laws uh, around the states that are picking up uh, interest, things that might interest us in Massachusetts specifically? Well, the California Civil Rights Council has proposed something. Massachusetts, um, I don't have anything for you specifically right now, um, unless you do Don't worry, Massachusetts. <laughs> it won't be long, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but California Civil Rights Council has a rulemaking that's very similar to New York. Um, you know, there's a fundamental difference, though. There's no bias audit required. So okay. that's, you know, good news. For California employers, which is usually the opposite. Usually California has more onerous sort of procedure. And yeah. here in this case, it's New York City that's that's, you know, winning in terms of the regulations that are that are being promulgated. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, even though the EAC, EEOC has not you know, the EOC is not, they are their rulemaking body, but they can't pass laws. Right. So there's an EEOC guidance that has sort of broader requirements and it indicates that tools that make or inform decisions about whether to hire or promote, terminate or take actions are covered under Title VII. So it, the New York City law that imposes this audit requirement is actually, it, it prohibits the use of any tool that substantially assists or, replace, or replaces human decision-making. So that's sort of you're looking at auditing a tool that's more robust in a way, whereas the EOC is saying, I don't care if it's substantially assisted or replaced, if it makes or informs any decision, which is basically like any tool you could possibly imagine, yeah. it's very broad, it is going to be covered by Title Seven. So it's going to be considered something that you're using AI, you're responsible for that. So EOC is making very clear that it's anything you use, whereas New York City is imposing this bias audit requirement on on sort of a tool that you use more, rely upon in a in a greater fashion. So you're okay. using it to replace yourself. Um, so basically, you don't necessarily need the bias audit if it's just, if, if there's someone involved and making the human is reviewing those decisions, but you're using AI to do some kind of sorting for you, and then ultimately you have a human checking it, mm -hmm. that's not going to require the bias audit necessarily. But again, the law in New York City and, you know, this guidance, none of it has been, you know, none of it's been litigated, none of it's been tested. I think the thing you want to walk away with with all of these changes is that notice and consent are two huge factors in any of these laws. So providing notice that you're using the tool and some of them require actual consent, um, but providing notice, providing information, understanding what the tool is doing. Think before you purchase. You need to be an informed consumer, especially in this specific industry. I mean, any industry, it's best that you be an informed consumer. In this particular area, it's, it's even more important. So it sounds like New York is leading the way in terms of specifying or or sort of laying out what regulation should look like. Is that a fair right. statement? New York, New York and California. I mean, California also has a robust privacy law that's going to yeah. 
a dovetail with this, which New York does not have. Um, so it's going to be, you know, New York and California have been enacting these things. But, you know, as I mentioned, there's also New Jersey, Vermont are passing similar laws and there will be more to follow. You know, as I mentioned, we have Illinois, Maryland. Yeah. So everyone should just be looking, you know, keeping their eyes open. We have uh, our HR pros listening to this who are in, let's say, Kansas. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, what do you recommend in terms of sort of baseline behavior to make sure you're ready for regulation that comes down the down the pass eventually? I think a key thing is understanding how you are managing your employees use of AI and also understanding whatever HR tools you're using, if those products contain AI, and specifically asking those payroll companies, PEOs, um, job posting services, third-party agencies that you use to solicit for jobs, um, asking them, what AI do you use? What do I need to know about? Are there decisions being made on your end through an automated or artificial intelligence system of any kind? And if so, I want to I want to know more about that, and I want to know what you're doing to comply. You don't necessarily need to know all the right questions to ask, but you need to ask the question about it to see if there's an answer that you're satisfied with. And if there's an "I don't know" answer, you know, then that's obviously not something that you, you know you might want to consider a different partner. You don't have to be the expert on this. That's not the HR professional's job. You have to be, but you have to understand to ask the right questions. And then it's important, though, with respect to your employees, that you understand what access they have to ChatGPT or any of the other AI functions that are free and how they're using it in the workplace. And so you'd want to have, just like we have our social media policies, we want to have an AI policy for employees' use and, and sort of set the parameters around that because that is those are the two areas in which HR professionals need to sort of get ahead of the game. I would just add to that what we one of the things that we've seen because this is such a brand new space. Everything that Bryn is saying is is right on the money in terms of asking your your partners, you know, what is their use of AI, especially because not all of them have updated their tools to be completely clear about what parts are AI and what are not. And so asking those questions, even if you aren't sure that AI is even being used in some of the tools, applications that you're using, ask the questions, please ask the questions, because it's very new. It's so so new uh and and in some cases it may not be it may not be super clear you know it follows the trend of the financial industry having to having to disclose how decisions are made having to yeah. just how to be, having to be transparent about processes you know we're going to see more compliance requirements as the use of these tools expand but in while we're waiting for that you know make sure that you're an informed consumer it's also really fun. Let's just say that. Oh, AI right. is, yes. It's AI so is, fun. AI is very fun, yeah. <laughs> just uh, AI is very fun. And so, yeah, I mean, the way the way that I use it, um, I use it never, never, never input, you know, confidential information, never use it as a replacement. Um, but to use it, you know, to ask a question, almost like Google, but see what it spits back to see, you know, it's, it's kind of like having a dialogue. And um, I was in a CLE with a colleague and she made a great point that even if you said draft a, you know, draft a letter or draft a policy, 
mm-hmm. and you put it in AI and it spits back something that's terrible, let's say. It's, it's right. you know, it's like, it's like first year level or entry level sort of bad. Yeah. That's what we talked about last week. It's like C-level work. Right. <laughs> but, you use it, but you use it um, as a baseline. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a that's a perfect way to think about it. Bren, this is great. I, I so appreciate you coming back and, and really illuminating the the sort of regulation that is coming, the laws that are that are clearly impacting our use of AI and, in the HR business. Uh, we sure appreciate you doing that. And thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. Um, this is, uh, you know, as we as we lean into the holidays here, um, we're going to we're going to go quiet for a little bit. But don't unsubscribe because we're coming back for our next season right after the uh, right after the new year we can't wait to uh, bring more fantastic hr topics i will come back early in the new year with a with a preview of the kinds of things we're going to be talking about so don't subscribe have a fantastic holiday season wherever that takes you and uh to bring goodman thank you so so much for your time Pete, thank you so much for having me. This was lovely. As always, you can find links and notes about this show at amhrsolutions.com. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are served. On behalf of Brid Goodman, I'm Pete Wright. We'll see you next year right here on Human Solutions, simplifying HR for people who love HR. <laughs>